Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is it recording? Recording. And can you see audio? Oh yeah, and, do, and record on the, the other fucking thing as fucking well. Yeah, I can see the audio on the... Because we, we did a podcast with Jason Byrne. An hour and 15 minutes. No fucking audio. Really? Yeah, really. So like, um, it was it was such a fucking nightmare. You can pick that. Uh, you can have that bottle of water sitting there, man. This is the kind of podcast where we like to show behind the scenes. Chill out. I'm not going to chill out. There's one thing you can say to somebody that's not going to work is to chill out. Look at this. Look. Well, Calm no, okay, I'm, down, Johnny. I'm, let, I'm letting you know that I'm, I'm recognizing your mood. Okay, okay, Johnny. Uh, I'm being. Uh, I it's have a reaction. It's not a. It's not actually a. You know. <coughs> a request. Okay. Thank you, thank you, Johnny. Could you hide your water, please? Okay, that was a joke. No, leave your water, Johnny. For God's sake, do whatever you want. Okay, it's Johnny O'Reilly. He's our guest. I'm. I'm just talking. Um, but what? What was I saying before Johnny interrupted me? <laughs> What were we talking about, Jack? I'm just asking about the audio and. Oh yeah, we did. We did the fucking uh, podcast with Jason Byrne. Can you imagine that? An hour and fifteen fucking minutes. And I and he said he'd do another podcast, you know. But I've I just oh, sent geez. him a message, and I, I think he's rightfully fucking annoyed. But that is, that is something spectacular. Have you ever done that where you filmed a scene? Because uh, by the way, sorry, Jack, give us an introduction. Let's get into it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to And That's Why We're Not Together, starring David McSavage and not here tonight, today, Hannah Andrews. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Welcome to And That's Why We're Not Together. Hannah is away with her boyfriend in uh, Portugal. And my guest today is Johnny O'Reilly, director, journalist, all around nice guy. And my princes, Jack and Daniel, on sound and video. Yes, have you ever done something like that where you've recorded a really good scene, you've got a great fucking take, and then you check and there's no fucking video, no audio, and you feel like eating your own arse? No. Sorry. <laughs> well, I can, you know, imagine, I can imagine what the feeling is like. Oh, fuck like. off, Johnny. I'll, I'll try and imagine it. <laughs> yeah, it feels terrible. Um, oh yeah, some really quick news. Daniel works as an extra, and Daniel, my son, my prince, was up in Ardmore Studios yesterday, and he was working with an actor called uh, <clears throat> Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Motherfucking Hopkins. Great. Talk about a name drop. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I remember the first time I saw. Uh, well, I'd seen him before, but I saw that film. Did you see the film when it came out, uh, Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. And I was in. Where do you remember where you saw it? No, I don't. Actually. I was in Amsterdam, and just that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? What is? Did your daddy smell of the lamp? You're only one generation away from white trash. It was fucking brilliant. I was a bit drunk on tequila at the time. I'll never forget it. But my son, 
So vicariously, I have met <laughs> Anthony Hopkins or uh, what, do they, what do they call him? Tony, is it? Yeah, Tony. Yeah. And uh, ha- did you have any kind of interaction with him? Yeah, well, uh, he he said I was dressed like 1930s kind of Londoner, but with a big overcoat. But I kind of looked like a gangster. Okay. And he kept saying, uh, oh, you, you, you look you look like a gangster. He know? said to you. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, how you doing? You know, I was doing the... <laughs> The, well, where uh, was the where was the film set? Uh, what what do you mean? Like, well, where was the film? Is it was it set in Brooklyn? No, 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 no. It was uh, no, it was nineteen thirties London. Like, why uh, are you doing a Brooklyn accent, Daniel? Because he said I look like a gangster. Yeah, but they look like ga- the gangsters were in London. I don't know. He found it funny. Okay, yeah, let's try. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I that it just that's the first thing that came to my head when he said gangster. I, I think it's because I'm watching The Sopranos. No, uh, right, right. That's why. Yeah, you should have gone up to him. Sorry, <coughs> sorry, Tony. I'm aware of the fact that we're in London. I just was been watching The Sopranos, and I did. I should have done. I I know we were only improving, but you know, I just want you to know that. I don't. I don't think uh, Anthony Hopkins is as neurotic as you are. So I just had a fucking <laughs> croissant, right? And I need to drink some water to get rid of rid of r- rid of it. Talk to talk to Jack and Daniel. <laughs> well, <Jack>. Mr. Johnny, <laughs> Mr. Jack. <laughs> How are we today? How's everything going? Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, how how long have you known David for? I've known David, I think, for about fifteen years, twenty maybe. When did you meet him? Um, <coughs> I was commissioned to make a DVD yeah, that David was in, <laughs> and. Uh, that could have been good, but you fucked it up. <laughs> we were mostly just filming him on stage, and then we decided to uh, <laughs> add some sketches in there. So I think it was the one of the early was Dave this, uh, Savage sketches. Oh no! And, and you probably got paid w- way too much, definitely, because I got paid. Fuck Can all you reveal how much you got paid? <laughs> twenty remember. grand, probably. Yeah, it was about f- yeah. fifteen or twenty. Fifteen grand <laughs> to make the whole thing. And yeah, but you, and he how got nobody. How much did you get, David? Fuck all. How much, roughly? I yeah, can't but remember, but, but he you're get, selling DVDs. You made money out of the sales of I DVDs. I got fuck all for the whole thing. It was just Johnny. Fair like play, sh- fair play, Johnny. Show business, you know what I mean? That's the thing, by the way. Uh, you know, <coughs> fuck off, larynx. Get out of my fucking mouth. That's the thing. People are so desperate to get a gig, to get a contract, to get anything. That they'll sign and then, then you know, because the first gig I, the first few gigs I did in Vicar Street. Anyway, I'm just saying I get paid way more playing in the Olympia. Um, sorry. <coughs> That's amazing. I, I ate a fucking um, croissant and it's just fucking my throat right now. And I can't even talk. And I've got so much to say. It and was I, more the consistency of like a pan au chocolat. So it was like an almond kind of. Um, so that was pretty cool. Daniel, my son, had an interaction with Anthony Tony Hopkins. Do you reckon, like, you'd, he'd recognise you now if you bumped into him again? Uh, possibly. I don't know. Yeah. Do you think uh, you should hang out with him now? You should be his mate. Hi, yeah, Tony. I think do, so. Yeah. Do you remember the? Yeah. Yeah. Can you mention the film that it is, or what can you or can't you? Uh, yeah. It's, well, I think I can say it's like uh, for a <coughs> show called Freud's Last Session. Is it a TV series or a film? Um, I think it's, I think it's a TV show. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry about that. <coughs> I'm gonna have to edit that fucking shit out. 
Um, so, uh, Johnny, uh, you live uh, in Kiev at the moment and you have been putting together a documentary about Kherson, which was invaded by the Russians and then fucking liberated by the Ukrainians. Is it still is it still liberated? Yeah, it's still liberated, but um, and the you, you Russians the- control uh, territory that's one mile away from the city. Fucking hell. So you were there on the second day of its liberation? Yeah. Fucking hell. Jesus Christ. So me and Johnny, I went over uh, to Johnny and we did this, you know, inadvertent commas comedy tour. And we we went from Lviv to Kiev via a few towns like what was that town where the women were really stunning? Uh, uh, Vinitsia. Oh, yeah. Vinitsia. Which which three like or two months later got severely bombed. Yeah, they've all been bombed. All of them. Oh, right. Including right, right. the valve. Yeah. Chernivtsi, um, Chernivtsi was the most beautiful. Do you remember all the cobblestones? Yes, yes, Chernivtsi. And um, then we went to a place called Mushun. And I remember, you know, when coming back from Ukraine and trying to describe what war is or the devastation caused by the Russian army, like like just the, the, the whole um, logic or, or the planning be, from the Russian point of view. OK, we're invading Ukraine. How do we let the Ukrainians know that we run the show? This is year zero. It's us. They just destroyed like every fucking building in a huge area. But even saying that, it just doesn't. I don't know. What do you think, Johnny, when we went to Mushun? What did you, or I mean, you've been around it. Well, my, my, have you got a better way of conveying? Mashun was uh, one of the villages that was near a very important aerodrome that the Russians needed to secure in order to bring in tens of thousands of uh, soldiers to uh, assault Kiev. Right. So the town of Mashun was very heavily defended by the Ukrainians. Gotcha. So they would have been lobbing artillery uh, over towards each enemy's position. And that's why Mashun was destroyed. Can I ask you how far away are the artillery when they're destroying those? You know, so we were in Mashun and we saw all those houses. How far away would be the artillery be? So the mo- most artillery is between 10 and 20 kilometers. Fuck me. Away, but uh, it would be that accurate? No, but you have mortars which oh, right. are much closer. <coughs> and obviously, you've got then you've got, you know, handheld t- anti tank munitions. Mortars are, are anything from one kilometer to, to five kilometers. So that was at the start of the war when they were bringing all the troops in. Yeah. And you remember that, that scene that kind of it, it, you, you're looking at it playing out and you're thinking, really? They, they put all their. Army onto one road. It looked like, mm-hmm. and it was it was like forty kilometers long. Yeah. W- would the, would the, what was what was the logic of doing that? Do you think? Well, Putin, <laughs> Putin, Putin, Putin. He's not that smart. He's not that smart. He decided that it was more advantageous for his strategy to keep all of the middle level commanders. Uh, unaware of his plans until the last moment. So you can imagine being a mid-level Russian commander and you're told, okay, tomorrow you're going to invade Ukraine. They have like 24 hours to prepare all the food, all the fuel, all the planning, all the communication with other commanders. None of that happened. So they all ended up in this 40-mile-long traffic jam, essentially, and sitting ducks to the Ukrainian artillery you see, you see I, sorry johnny i i love this right you see my understanding of war is fucking 
like I, I've heard a lot of commentary on it, but um, you know, m my understanding is, you know, okay, soldiers there, and then soldiers are over there, and you're just firing at them. But there's, you know, in the same way, you, you know, you, you need to plan. You have to have backups. You have to have escape routes. You have to know the country. You have to know, try and figure out where the enemy is. And and those Ukrainians, they're smart as fuck anyway, but it's their country. Like, you know, you go down to, you, you know, you go down to fucking Cavan or something and, and a cat, he knows his fucking, the, the roads inside out, the back of his hand. So it would be the same, I assume, you know, with these Ukrainians, they'd know their country inside out. But sorry, basically, I'm, 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 uh, th there's so much uh, planning that needs to go into these things. So he gave them no time to plan. Yeah. And, and w one of the drawbacks of an authoritarian system is that, especially when you've been in power for so long, is you uh, surround yourself by people who demonstrate loyalty above everything else. So by demonstrating loyalty, all of these, um, you know, generals um, tell him what he wants to hear rather than tell him the real truth. And that's the way to get forward in an authoritarian system. So he was badly informed about the plan that he had, the the chances of its success. He expected it to be successful within really, three Johnny, days. Really, Johnny, would there be... Would there, I know that, yeah, sorry. But really, Johnny, do you think would there have been nobody in his entourage uh, militarily who would who he would have respected on some level? Surely there would have been guys who's been around and say, look, the best way to do this is to... Would nobody have told him? Like, like surely the plan didn't come from him, did it? It, I think it would have come from him. Well, there probably would have been other uh, different groups and different opinions within the hierarchy. But given that it's such a an emotional thing for Putin, you know, he's such a vindictive man that people would have been frightened to tell him to his face, this, your, your plan is going to fail. You know, I and, don't and, think and, anyone would have said that to him. And so it, 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 it's interesting. Now, irrespective, we're just talking about, we're just holding up a mirror to certain events. One of them was that people completely seemed to overestimate the Red Army, or do they call yeah. it the Red Army? And people completely underestimated uh, Ukrainian yes. resolve and resistance. Yeah, that's exactly true. Can, can we just get into this straight away? Do you know what the arguments are against uh, prolonging the war or uh, or the fact that Russia isn't really as culpable or responsible as people are making out? Do you know what the arguments are You know that are more pro-Russian? Um. Yeah, I'm aware of some of them, and I think um, <clears throat> can can I actually uh, let's just get straight. Uh, uh, there's this sure. guy Mick Wallace. What, what, do you know him, Mick Wallace? Sure. Yeah. What what party is he with? Is it People for Before Profit or so, so one of the left wing parties? And <clears throat> so I was just looking up, like, uh, so this guy. He, okay, I'm just going to play this, Johnny. For the special tribunal last December, he said that. So he's talking about Zelensky pushing for the special tribunal, okay? When Zelensky pushed for the special tribunal last December, he said that without justice, there can be no peace. The reality is that war is the greatest injustice suffered on this earth, and too many are working hard to prolong this one. Zelensky should be at the negotiating table, but instead tours the world selling his forever war. As Ukraine is destroyed, and conscripted Ukrainians are killed by the tens of thousands. In the past 25 years, the imperialist powers have perpetrated wars of aggression against Yugoslavia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria and Yemen. 
They've killed millions of people and displaced millions more, dropped toxic munitions and committed countless war crimes. NATO members have never faced justice for these crimes. Of course, Russia should also be held to account for any crimes it commits, but the list is long. If we actually care about justice, we must stop the antagonism and hypocrisy and get down to the real work of peacemaking. <laughs> well, well, look, first of all, I mean, I, to some level, I kind of object almost to airing those views because they're so full of holes that, uh, you know, it's like where to start. I mean, he is a propagandist for uh, for the Kremlin. In, in, you know, he's basically repeating the same views that the Kremlin are uh, trumpeting. Um, so obviously, you know, he is an elected official, so you have to contend with him on a certain level. But like we could start with uh, the first thing he said, right, which was uh, Zelensky's forever war. So in, 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 you know, terming it as Zelensky's war. So he wants to continue the war. His, his contention is that he, he describes U.S. and NATO as kind of one. But there's a hundred problems with what he says. I, I, I'm I, starting I, with the first. Let's just start. Okay, let's yeah. just go through, you know, the, the first thing that he said. Zelensky's war. Why do you say Zelensky? When did you say Zelensky? Are you okay, trying to, are you, no, you're trying to uh, impress. I mean, I live in the country and that's yeah. how people use the word. Okay, there. well, you're trying to impress women. <laughs> I know what you're at. Zelensky, okay. Z no, no, call him, yeah. Yeah, okay. Zelensky. Zelensky. Okay, sorry, go on. Zelensky, um, it's not his war. He did not start the war, okay? So there's a problem with the first thing he said. So with someone like him, you can't really argue with him because he's so dishonest. Every phrase that he comes out with is designed to bamboozle people, to confuse people, and it's not true. It's not true that this is Zelensky's war. He did not start the war, okay? So that's the first thing. What's the okay. second thing he said? The second thing is that uh, he's trying to get support and he doesn't want the war to end and he should be sitting at the negotiating table. He, I guarantee you, he and all Ukrainians want the war to end, you know, more than anybody. He's making the assumption, uh, Wallace is, that the war is unwinnable, right? That uh, if y Ukraine continue to fight the war, they're only just going to prolong it. So no one knows if the war is winnable by the Ukrainians but or not. And he's but saying that NATO, are this is their kind of what they do. They don't want to win wars. They just want to prolong them because of the industrial military complex and that... Lots, there's a small amount of group of okay. people who are making lots of money. No, let's, I'm, let's, I'm, yeah, let's take Yugoslavia but, as, for an example. Yeah. Right, NATO's intervention in Yugoslavia prevented genocide on Kosovo people. It ended the war. Hmm. It didn't actually. When the 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 Americans and the British and the NATO bombed uh, Yugoslavia, they didn't kill that many people. They just uh, uh, demonstrated the will. Uh, which was strong enough for uh, the war to end and for Milosevic to ultimately to fall. Milosevic ultimately was uh, put in front of the International Criminal Court and got his due justice. So NATO intervention in Yugoslavia saved thousands of lives. And what is NATO? NATO is a treaty organization. It's a treaty. It's not a country. So the way he spins it is that is that NATO is this kind of, you know, monolithic country that ha has its own uh, 
um, you know, nefarious policies about prolonging wars. It's a treaty organization. It's the decisions are made not by the head of NATO, but by countries like France, Germany. In the same way that he's a mouthpiece, you reckon for Russia? Would he say that you're a mouthpiece for NATO now? Maybe he would, but like he's. Uh, would I'm, you beat him in a fight? Do you think? I, I would, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! There you, go, there you go, Mick Wallace. You know the gauntlet has been thrown down. Come on, if you think you're hard enough. No, but um, but, but but I think for anyone from where's he from? Southwest Ireland, who who voted him in? Please, uh, you know, have another think about what he is and who, about who he is and what he has been saying. And do not vote for him at the next election. Okay. Um. Can I also say when I came back from um. I was going to say when I came back from NATO, when I came back from Ukraine, um, I was talking to one of my neighbours and she was saying that um, Russia's hand was forced. OK, this is whereby um, because NATO was expanding, that uh, Russia w- felt threatened mm-hmm. and Ukraine was kind of Ukraine was, you know, promised uh, membership of in NATO. And so it started wanting its own independence. Oh, it, it is independent. And therefore, this flaunting, uh, you know, sort of provoked Russia into, well, we, we have to. Mm-hmm. So so that, you know, behind the Ukrainian war, it's really the Americans pushing it. What would you say about that? That um, what I would that say... That it threatens Russian yeah. uh, sovereignty. Look, but different countries feel different levels of threat from their neighbours who perhaps historically they've had conflict with. Um, The question is, who uh, moves first? Who is the aggressor? In the case of NATO versus Russia over the last 20 years, what, what you have seen is the three Baltic states, once they became independent from the Soviet Union, which they claim was a colonialist um um, entity which absorbed them after the Second World War, they got their freedom from uh, from the R- Russia, um, at least for, from the Soviet Union, and um, the people in that country voted to become a member of NATO to join a, a treaty alliance, which basically says that if they are uh, attacked, uh, the other NATO countries will <coughs> protect them. So. NATO is a is a defensive alliance in its core, right? All of its um, legal uh, papers, mandates, mandates, and all that. It's all about a defensive alliance. But of course, a defensive alliance has poli- geopolitical power right. in that it protects them from attack from Russia. They have not been attacked. They've been allowed to uh, be, you know, be, become strong, independent countries within the EU. So now, do they pose uh, a threat to Russia? Are there Estonian troops threatening to spill over the border and you know take over towns in north, northeast, northwest Russia? No, they're not. So NATO is not uh, posing a threat to Russia. But sure, Russia uses whatever it okay. can to propagandize and, right. and pick off people like uh, Wallace, who is unscrupulous enough to actually go with that in well, why order would, to maintain... Why would, why would Mick Wallace want to take that line? What, what? Two reasons. One is that naturally he is probably a, um, um, you know, one of those people who just always count, wants the countervailing opinion. You know, he's, what's the word? Oppositional. Uh, yeah, no, there's another word. Well, well he, he, you mean in, in a debate he just wants to take the opposing side? Yeah, exactly. Or, or a, so, uh, the... 
Yeah, uh, what, what, what? Contrary. Contrary, and thank you so much. Naturally, underdog a, kind a of lot thing. of people are natural contrarians. You know, so they take up this view. I'm so a fucking contrarian. Possibly, yeah. What do you mean, possibly? Probably. And by the way, um, can I just also interject? This is very interesting stuff. Um, uh, you really annoyed me because I know Johnny, and and he said to me that I should edit this podcast, which to me meant like he finds it boring. And I'm thinking, actually, Johnny, what do you do? You, do, you, do you, Johnny, do you listen to <laughs> podcasts? Hang on a sec. Hang was, a sec. Shut subject. the fuck up, okay. boys. No, stand back, Jan, Jan, Jan. <laughs> Do you listen to podcasts? Um, you see, so shut the fuck up. I'm I not going to yeah, take. I, no, I you do don't. Bit. You don't. So you know what I mean. It's like uh, I to take, two, two podcasts. Who, yeah, which ones? Don't tell me. Why? Why wouldn't you tell me? <laughs> why wouldn't you tell me? Why? Who, why, why are you? Is you I, I li- I you're such to- a spy. Do you know that? You are such a fucking spy. You can't tell me anything about anything. I, I like what, what is it? Fucking dominatrix uh, the, underground the, the, spank the, my arse. The, the the one that Alistair Cook does. Oh know, yeah, well that's I, he's brilliant. Yeah, that, that's the one. I listen well, to. listen, we have our fans, and uh, we are still, I guess, learning about this um, discipline of podcasting and um, crystallizing our thoughts, and you know, in the absence of it being funny, just being interesting, and people are enjoying uh, jumping on board and going on this fucking journey with us right and we're not going to edit stuff out jack are we hell no what where were we because I, I was sorry sorry i did get sidetracked what, what were you talking about there can you remember you oh you were i was saying i was asking you why would mike mick wallace or people like him uh take that contrary opinion and sometimes i know what you mean sometimes people well he's famous look, look, yeah look, yeah look, yeah look, right look how famous he's become because of his contrarian views also you know he the, the the russia identifies people like him and provides them with platforms okay you know there are dozens of these um but also uh, maybe maybe get, get togethers and you know workshops right. and conferences that platform people like him they used to be funded by russia right they're not anymore because you know because of the war so R- russia has been he's been on rt and russia russian tv quite so a lot so have we so have you yeah so because yeah, yeah. because uh, johnny um was part uh, of the uh, uh, the irish festival in in moscow because you lived in moscow for quite a long time yeah, i mean years. you you love uh, you, you you love russia I mean, is that a love Russia? I mean, you enjoyed your time in Russia. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, w- when I came back from Ukraine, yeah, like I was saying, my neighbor was. Oh, yeah. No, I've t- I said that for God's sake. But I was quite shocked that to think, uh, you know, because when I was in Ukraine, it looked very it looked very simple. What was going on? A big country had invaded a smaller country because it thought the bigger country thought who the fuck is this ukraine thinking it's a it wa- wants its independence that means that nato and the west is getting closer to us and it's and it's just fuck that if we're going if we're not going to draw a line here they'll become what did they think was going to happen if if ukraine did become part of nato then what border would there be another province that might want to uh, claim its independence are there other provinces in is that the right term provinces in the uh, Russia regions, regions. Yeah, I th- look that the, 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 there are so many different reasons for this invasion, but the way I see it is that the primary reason, the first one, is Putin's real fear 
is uh, of the opposition movement at home. His real fear is that he will be caught out right. for all the lies that he has spun within Russia. Right. He do, there's no real, you know, centuries-long um, conflict with Ukraine in the same way that there has been between the Croats and the Serbs, for example. And the Irish and the British. So he needed to ensure that Ukraine remained in in the Russian orbit, that it didn't become part of the EU, that it didn't become westernized, that it didn't give fuel to an opposition movement in Russia to uh, move against Putin. And that's why for the last 20 years, slowly and surely, he's been repressing uh, any opposition leaders. He's been taking over the media. Everything is about securing his position and the authoritarian regime that he's created. And do you think... Uh like what I was also surprised was by how fucking tough the Ukrainians are, like the soldiers, like like you know coming coming from Ireland, right? Hey, how you doing? Po- Poland, and then you <laughs> there's this change in atmosphere, and then you look at the eyes of the soldiers, and you think, fucking hell, those guys have seen some battle. I mean, there, it does it does change. They're in they're in war mode, but I'm thinking. I guess, is that in all of us, I suppose? Do you think it it would waken up in all of us if if our country and we're fighting for our very existence? I think it would, yeah. But the the Ukrainians have had more experience with this. More experience? In in their DNA. Like, if you think about, you know, where where were the, even in history of humanity, there were more people killed on that territory in the Second World War than any other war in, in the world. Um, so the, they're used to fighting for their freedom uh, every century for the last 400 years. And so. it's really, uh, I'd love to convey the steely-eyed determination. You know, there was that uh, Finnish uh, Formula One driver, I think it was, was it Nicky Hakkinen, Jack? Mickey Hakkinen? Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Kimi, Nicky, who's Nicky? Kimi Raikkonen. He has that fucking look. Like he's almost a cyborg. Like there, obviously he's a human being, but you look into his eyes and you go, "Fuck it hell. And that that was the feeling I got. Like uh, the soldiers immediately could sense if there was a threat or not. And thank God I'm older and look like a fucking look like the way I look, and they could see clearly this guy is not a threat. But um, yeah, you wouldn't want to come up against professional soldiers. Um, what about the Wagner Group? What 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 are, are these guys? Because I, I had this idea that they're uh, um, just just a, a real messy kind of psychopathic group of people that are sort of marauding across Ukraine and cr- committing all kinds of war crimes. But you were saying that the core of Wagner are professional soldiers. Yeah, no, w- Wagner are very highly trained soldiers, very experienced. A lot of them have been fighting in uh, Central Africa, in Syria, and uh, they're well paid, well equipped. There are 10,000 Wagner professional soldiers in Ukraine fighting at the moment, and there are 40,000 Wagner conscripts. Okay. So they have this kind of uh, very uh, 19th century way of fighting where the 40,000 conscripts are basically used as cannon fodder. So in in a... Can you explain explain to me what the fuck you're you're talking about? So, So we have a front... And then we have another front. And are you saying that, uh, you know, OK, the Russians are over there. I mean, the Ukrainians are over there. OK, lads, what, move forward and draw their fire kind of uh, move forward and draw their fire kind of thing. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah, You're exactly. farting. What are you doing? 
Johnny, what? Sorry, am I am I annoying the shit out You're of you? You're annoying me, yeah. Am I? Why? You're, just because? Know. Just because you moved? No, I don't know. You just annoying me. What? Uh, what? Because I was giving you a hard time about the criticism thing. Well, with that and other things, yeah. What? Okay, well, let's talk about it. Go okay, on. Okay, let's talk about it. Yeah. Go on. Go on. You seem fucking angry. You're like, you know, literally the first thing I do is I ring him, not having seen him for a year, and it's just subjected to a tirade. No, because you were you you're were, a, you're angrier than you normally are. So it's but seems. but yeah, but but anger, thank God, number one well, is yeah, a it's, sign it's, that it's, uh, a, it's positive emotion. It's it's a positive, creative, this creative is emotion, this is pretty right? tame, Johnny. Like I'm sure it is. I'm sure <laughs> no, it is. no, 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 no. I'll tell you what it was. You get much simmering. Worse. No, it's you something get much simmering. Worse. It's something simmering. Cri- you know? No, well, okay, Johnny. Uh, you know, um, okay, you know, you can. No, no, you can. You can. No, I mean. You know, you were being crit. You were criticizing. No, I wasn't. You were you were critic. You were being critical of the podcast, and oh, I was yeah. thinking it's very embryonic, right? And we we are starting this thing off, and it takes a long time for it to get on its f- to get to get good. And I'm thinking this fucking Johnny Ronnie give me all this, uh, you know, um, advice. You're overreacting, and then then editing. and then 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 I'm thinking edit yourself, mate. But anyway, so so. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but but Johnny, we know each other. We we have to allow each other. <laughs> okay, so so th- so that's is that pissing you off because you you, you feel there's, I'm uh, in a bit of a tizzy about that. Yeah, a bit of a you're in a bit of a tizzy about it, but it's okay. I, I, well, then you I'll you you, you tell me where you were coming from. Um, yeah, I I like I I said uh, I enjoyed the podcast. And uh, are, are, have you considered editing it? And then suddenly the tirade. It, 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 it wasn't like, Dave, sit down there and let me tell you something about your podcast. It's not good enough. You need to edit it. It was not like that. You're, you're, you're putting it out there as if that was the way the conversation went. Well, I'll tell you what it is. Maybe I'm emotionally tied up in it. And, uh, you know, well, which I am. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like, you know, I'm having this lovely time with my two... I'm having this lovely t- cue the music, Jack. I'm having this lovely time with my what's what music are you going to play? I don't play any music. I'm having this lovely time with my kids, and you were saying to cut it, to edit it. No, no, that's not really what. No, it just no. Actually, the the question I had was, do you know how many uh, how long viewers are watching it for? Like, do you have that data? Well, like if everyone watches say for forty minutes and then they stop, maybe that's a but you get it down to 40 minutes or something. No, you know, I hear no you. But, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, like to become a good comedian, some people might say I'm not a good comedian, but, you know, a large groups of people would disagree with you. So are you so selfish that you don't account for a large group of people who do think I'm funny? So, But it takes a long time to get to that point. And I think with this podcast, with this format, with this long form conversation, it takes a while to find out what we're doing, and so Here, like, here's a like, good, like, here's like, a good like this. So, so you coming in at this point and and saying things, and with respect, and you know, I love you and everything, but you've had no fucking experience doing doing a podcast. I have a good counter, a better countervailing. And arg- you're coming. You're you're, you're, you. you're basically looking. What do they do when you look at an embryo? A cat scan, not a fucking cat scan. When a pregnant woman goes in and looks at a thing, what do they call that when you do the thing on a a sound? thing on a pregnant woman jack jack uh oh, whatever oh my son's so slow but the point is you're looking <laughs> at an embryo in a pregnant woman and you're saying oh yeah no i did you know it has to you have to give birth to it here's a good you're criti- you're, a an good ab- ca- you're, you're an abortionist argument. a good countervailing argument is um 
you don't want to edit it because you want to learn within the rhythm of the long form how to incrementally improve it. If you know you're going to edit it, you'll get sloppy. You see what I mean? Like he wants to pretend like he's, he's discovering fucking Australia here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, no, exactly no, no. that. Like, yeah, well, I know, I, look, well, I know, I know now that you know there's well there's, put. there's no such thing as a, as a as a um, pos- positive feedback. No, Johnny, fe- no feedback. that's not true. Constructive, <laughs> constructive feedback. That, Johnny, constructive Johnny, feedback. I am winning here. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, yes, there is. I know I'm being a fucking dick now. Shut up, Jack. Jack, what are you doing? What, don't don't point this at me. <laughs> what are you looking at? It's you versus Johnny. I, 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 Johnny versus David McSavage. What, right you, what, what do you call it? a sonar? You know, when when are you looking for a baby? A pregnancy? I looked. At, it's just a pregnancy no, scan. A pre, pre, so, sonar. What's the equipment used? Yeah, there's, a, there's an actual. There's a piece of uh, machinery, and it's called a so, so, well, You were sonar. asking what's the pregnancy scan called? So sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I've never ultrasound. Thank you. There you go. Oh, that, that's uh, ultrasound. That's isn't that a um, uh, David O'Doherty joke? Who are the hey? Who are the best people in the hospital? <laughs> Whose phone is that? <laughs> Whose phone is that? <laughs> Aiden, I'm doing a podcast. Can I call you back? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, all right, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm going to turn off my phone. Uh, I just uh, our cameras died. I think which one? Our one. <laughs> the one pointing at us. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, put the gear here. So Fucking so hell! I didn't. I, I, you know, I didn't imagine it was like yeah, this. No, we're, we're so self-aware. Are you still yeah. rolling? Yeah, yeah. You didn't imagine. Well, imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny reaches, reaches a point and he's like, look. And he doesn't get angry. Johnny just is very calm. Uh, that's all the uh, spy training. Keep you know? <laughs> <laughs> cool under interrogation. Oh, yeah. I wonder how you would stand up under interrogation. Apparently, um, you're supposed to be just the grey man. Like, don't give anything away. Jesus so if it ever happens, just, <laughs> just agree with them, but n- not... Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Too much. Okay, Johnny. Actually, uh, so, sorry. Uh, is, are you back on the thing? You were telling me uh, about a guy you knew in Kherson, was it? And he was captured. Yeah. By the Russians. Yeah. And tortured. Yeah. Well, then, well, uh, well you know what? This is a character in my documentary who's 18 years old when he was captured and tortured. Now he's 19. Can I just say? Can I just say? Like, I, I'm going to try and torture you now. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's other, Johnny, way, there's other Johnny, ways you could torture me. <laughs> you know, Johnny, you, you torture would fold. Me. You don't need to torture me. Johnny, Johnny you would fold. Me. How would you? How, sorry, I, I don't know why I'm laughing about this. I'm just imagining torturing Johnny. And would you? I would fold. I think. 
Do you, how do you think? Do you think he'd last? We'd last any, sorry. Come on, stop getting sidetracked. This Johnny. guy lasted. He, he was good. He, uh, by the way, he's now in hospital because he um, was attacked in, in, in a, he was injured in a drone attack only on Tuesday last week. Fucking hell, where? In Kherson. So Johnny is doing a documentary about Kherson. Well, we were saying that. And uh, and so this particular guy was caught by the Russians. And I asked you, what kind of torture did they subject this, to, subject this young man to? Electrical. So what? He was electrocuted. Is your back okay? Yeah, it's okay. What's wrong? What are you doing? I'm, I'm just uh, shifting my weight so I can be more comfortable when I'm being tortured. <laughs> you have a sore back? Um, no. From riding. <laughs> From riding, young ones. You dirty, dirty man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, listen, listen. Uh, can I just ask you, when, when you say they're being tortured and, and, and you just said electrical, what the fuck does that mean? Do you mean they put a thing on his yeah. thing? Yeah. Like, is, is it exclusively that? They, they tie him up. They put a, a connect him to an electrical node. Did he, did he tell you this? Yeah. Yeah, go on. And they ask him questions. And then they, they're, they're basically looking for the names of other... Uh, people who are uh, pro-Ukrainian. So they accused him of being a partisan, which he claimed to them he wasn't, even though he was. So he had already assassinated three Russians. He was part of a, a partisan group, a cell of partisans who were going around killing Russians in Ukraine, in Kherson. And uh, one uh, of the other guys who was picked up before him and electrocuted gave his name. So, oh, I see. So that's the way they, they basically... Uh, and how old is this guy? He's now 19. Jack, do you know what I mean? Can you imagine the he's parents? A, can you imagine a, the parents of this kid? He's an amazing, amazing character. His grandparents are also uh, subjects in the documentary. And they were running the uh, partisan operation in that part of the city. The grandparents? Yeah, the grandparents. Um. So, okay, what? how did that guy get out how did he how did he manage to get his freedom so he turned out he was a very good actor he convinced them over a period of three days that he would help them if he was released um he told me by the way that out of the 20 people who were in the prison only six of them survived so 14 were either were killed to you know tortured to that death six of them tortured to death by this electricity thing or just killed like just shot shot in the head probably yeah Wow. So he uh, was released, and the next day he posed as somebody else using a false passport and uh, left the city, went through 15 uh, checkpoints, and luckily managed to escape. And he rejoined his um, army battalion outside the city to get trained up and lead the charge to liberate the city. Mm. So that's where I met him, and I started filming him. Um and we went into the city. Uh, he rejoined his grandparents. And for the last couple of months, I've been filming him and a few others there. But his job uh, was to go around a little motorboat through the waterways south of Kherson and evacuate the dead and injured bodies from the Ukrainian front lines. A very dangerous job because the Russians have drones over all those waterways looking for targets. 
And uh, the other day he was with two other guys in a boat. As soon as they they moored on this little island, they looked up, they saw a drone. Drone dropped a little, very small little bomblet on them, but it was very accurate. Just w- drop, blew up one metre away from them. And uh, dozens of these tiny little darts went everywhere. Have, have you got, what, did you say you broke up? I don't have it, sorry. All yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. So he got a dart lodged in his head. And uh, it looks like it's going to be too dangerous to extricate it. So he's going to have that for the rest of his life. Was anybody else, was anyone else killed? Yeah, in the the two other guys, one was 21, one 22, uh, and one of them was particularly badly injured. He, uh, Valak is his name. He's going to be back uh, fighting in the next week or two. But um, the, the kid with the, with the, the, kid, with the dart yeah, in his head. Yeah. Fucking hell. But like even the way you sort of brushed over the fact that this young guy, Valak, is it, you know, and there's 20 hostages and only six, six of them survived. Like, I mean, the day to day reality of living in and hearing the, the scream, I don't know what the screams in this place that they're being kept. And, you know, the creative brutality and torture and fear and the breaking point that people reach, um, I mean, it's I don't know I don't know what to say about it like I mean and they, and that that evil is in is in all of us you know yeah and it's it, it's it's really interesting to see how people have been dehumanized not so much by the experience of war but by the propaganda so do you um, mean desensitized or dehumanized well sorry desensitized but the but also their de- their view of the enemy is that they're the, the enemy is de- dehumanized yeah. So it's you know, morally easy for these executioners to kill prisoners of war because the information they've received about them is that these people have been living like you know animals and have been killing our own people. Um, so it all starts with propaganda, which in Russia is is off the scale. Like the Russian government is the motherload of propaganda, and it's it's you know exported everywhere now throughout the world including you know to someone like Mick Wallace who has gone with it and um, is you know acting in the interests of the authoritarian regime in Russia are the Russians uh, um, accusing the Ukrainians of torturing as well yeah now look obviously there is you know uh, quite a lot of similar acts taking place on the Ukrainian side but when you look at the evidence analyzed, for example, by Human Rights Watch, Amnesty, nothing compares to what's been happening on the Russian side. Much, much worse. Fucking hell. Did you want to ask a question, Jack? Did I, did I look like I did? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Um Oh, I was well, you're into your history and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's no. I was just thinking about that day. That's mad. But um, I, it's actually interesting. I I was watching something about the uh, how Ukraine actually started as a country, <laughs> and it came from uh, Cossacks, right? Yeah. And uh, I saw that um, there was a. This, this is back in like I don't know exactly 15, 1600s and this was when Europe was in the feudal system. And uh, if you were a peasant, you had no rights and it was a very hard life and everything. And this was, um, and apparently a lot of the Cossacks 
uh, came from uh, the kingdom of Poland, actually. At the time, there were a lot of people fled Poland and kind of created a, a free state of sorts to, uh, you know, take people in and get away from that feudal system of like having an overlord and not being able to move place without their permission and and all that stuff. So it's kind of interesting how it's uh, how the country started and then there's been a lot of wars. And now there's another war there, and it's kind of the center of a lot of conflict all throughout history. But the actual start of it was to get away from, uh, like, the the overbearing overlord systems. Yeah, the, like the name Ukraine means Ukraina, on the edge. So it's a country that's been on the edge of competing um, larger countries for its whole history including the uh, obviously the Russian Empire and it's a fairly the, the Ottoman Empire the Austro-Hungarian mm. Empire the I think for a long period it was under the Lithuanian Empire so it's just been the the the, the, the killing grounds for all of these empires for 500 centuries and Lviv was in Poland wasn't it for a while yeah or yeah, it is yeah. it is a Polish city or was it well no, that's I, that's that's like so many cities all around uh, you know that Cher- that Cher- region Chernivtsi, where we were, that was in Romania before the First World War. Yeah. How long has it taken you to put together this uh, documentary? Six about months. Here? Six months. And um, is it finished? No. Right. And where will people be able to see it? Well, it needs to be finished first, but um, I mean, hopefully it'll do the rounds of film festivals, maybe be sold to a platform. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a feature doc, so. Okay. Shout out to Netflix. Oh, Shout Netflix. Out to Netflix, yeah. Um, well, uh, so can you describe to people um, here, Son? How, oh, by the way, Ukraine is very big. Yeah. I mean, we drove from Lviv to Kiev. What was it? Bigger than France. Okay, so it's huge, right? Um, and and also it's it's anyway. Um, what what was I, what was I just going to say there? Um, fuck, can't remember. Oh, I've got distracted and sidetracked. There's so many things to talk about. Uh, fuck. What, what what was I saying, Jack? I don't know. I was just curious, actually. Um, you know, what was the group of people you said the tra- very highly trained soldiers that the go wa- the Wagner? Yeah, the group. are they what national? Are they like mixed nationality, or are they from Ukraine? They're or? Russians. They're Russians. Yeah. Okay, so they're they're on the Russian side. Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. They're, um, they're very ruthless. Like, um, they they are a, a mercenary group. Mercenaries have been used, obviously, since the you know beginning of history, uh, and particularly in Iraq and Syria, they've they've been used by the Americans. Uh, but the Wagnerites really stand out because they're so important to the Russian effort in the east, because the main army, uh, the main Russian army, has not really succeeded in any of its tactical or strategic aims. So the guy who runs the Wagner group has become a quite signi- politically significant. Luchenko, is it? Prigozhin. Prigozhin. Yeah. So Prigozhin himself is, it was in prison for armed robbery. And uh, so he has a real natural affinity with these prisoners. So he went around to all the prisons and uh, convinced you know, hundreds of the prisoners to actually join the war effort. But and th- there's video of him doing that. Yeah. 
God, it's fairly fucking grim, isn't it? It's fairly grim, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's feudalistic, but that's what Russia is. It's a modern feudalistic state. Um, you know, in many ways, it hasn't evolved beyond Tsarism very far. Mm. Um, and that's what this whole struggle is really about. It's about democracy versus authoritarianism. Putin is trying to protect that system because ultimately that's what keeps him in power. Uh, how long do you th- do you see an end to the war? Does that what do people on the ground think in in Ukraine? I think the next few months will be key because Ukraine has a chance of pushing Russia back now that so many of its uh, soldiers have been trained in NATO countries, and in the you know already and in the next few weeks and months, you're going to see a big push by the Ukrainian army uh, in the east and the south of the country. And if that's successful, then that tr- could trigger a collapse of the uh, Ukraine of the Russian front, and all the um, uh, political consequences of that for Putin. But if they don't achieve that by autumn, then you're going to see um, China and Russia emboldened to try and force a an unhappy peace uh, uh, onto uh, Ukraine and with the the MAGA Republicans and, you know, people like Mick Wallace and others um, succeeding a bit more in kind of diluting any Western assistance in the long term. Because people are getting weary, aren't they? People are getting weary, yeah. And And do you think, are are China sort of trying to play at both sides kind of thing, or they they don't know? Yeah, well, I think China is, you know, soon going to be the biggest economy in the world. So they're taking... Uh, they're playing the long game of certainly positioning themselves in an advantageous position to be the 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 peacemaker when the time comes. Sorry, I'm just I'm just being aware of the the popping of this thing. I mean, yeah, I need to get a fucking a thing for that. Sorry. Um, yes, uh, I'm j- sorry. How long have we been going for, by the way, Daniel? Uh, Fifty-four minutes. Um, it fe- it, would, it feels a bit weird doing uh, open the cage, you know. After we've been because we do this trivia about Nicolas Cage at the end of every podcast, but um, it feels a bit weird to do it now. Well, I, I I could ask a question. I mean, I don't know, like okay, um, like if if either Russia or Ukraine had a proper like a very good military strategist, could they not just win their war the uh, on either side? Well, I think... Um, that is a good question, actually, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I think Russia could. Uh, and Ukraine does have a very good military strategist, but they don't have nearly the same amount of resources, money, arms, and people, as Russia does. So That's the weird thing, Johnny, uh, the, the amount of resources that Russia has, and weirdly that we're indirectly supporting and paying for, isn't it? Yeah, but Russia has an authoritarian system and an authoritarian army. So a lot of the decision making down uh, down the line of command is uh, hierarchical. It's not decentralized. So you have a lot of political requirements by Putin and his team to have progress at all costs. So even if the commander knows that this is going to be a suicide mission, he is told by the Kremlin that you have to send all these guys across the line now. So that's part of the reason why Russia is doing so badly, because they don't have a decentralized command structure within the army, which the Ukraine, which Ukraine has, partly because they've been trained up by NATO over the last 10 years. Are, are Russian people 
being affected by but they're just used to that anyway are, are they not well they're, they're being they? they're being uh, protected from the consequences of the war um and the Do you mean financially yeah financially yeah so but also russia has switched its economy uh and you know for the amount of trade that they've lost with the eu they've uh, regained that through increased trade with India and China. Right. So China and India are getting a great deal out of this because they're getting reduced prices for commodities. They're getting much more favorable terms on all trade with Russia. And uh, the trade uh, surplus obviously is, you know, collapsed with the EU. But, um, and it's, you know, I was speaking to a Russian friend there the other day who said that they've got everything in the shops the uh, so the the sanctions regime hasn't really been effective in the short or medium term, but you know they claim that it will have long term effects. But who, who knows? We don't know yet. So that that extraordinary time you said you were in Kherson two days after liberation. Mm-hmm. So, and how long was Kherson under Russian control? From the first of March till the eleventh of November last year, and. What had you heard in terms of how the Russians were, uh, you know, running the place? I mean, were they just, was there a curfew at night? And like, how how did people live? Yeah, there was a curfew at night. And um, they were kind of, you know, at first they were in um, police and uh, army vehicles, quite visible everywhere. The Russians? The Russians were. But by the summertime, they had already kind of infiltrated many of the businesses, the city administrations. They've identified collaborants who started working for them. And then they uh, went a bit more incognito because they were still under attack by the partisans. Um, Okay. And also there's some really interesting, uh, completely smashed up buildings. Like I've seen, you've seen the buildings in Moshun, for example, Mm. those small little kind of one-story daches, right? In Kherson, I saw some buildings that were more smashed up than anything I've seen in Mishun or anywhere else because uh, they were attacked by HIMARS. So HIMARS is a really uh, important um, piece of weaponry that the the Ukrainians have, the Russians don't have. It's basically a a missile that is accurate to the meter. So, And how far away can you shoot it from? Now they've got, you can shoot up to about 70 kilometers. Sorry. So you've got a a missile that you can shoot from 70 kilometers away and that's accurate to the meter. Yeah. Okay. So 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 what was happening? How much did one of those cost, by the way? I think they're about one hundred and ten thousand dollars each for each missile. Fucking hell. Yeah. But um, can you imagine can imagine just being able to. Sorry. I mean, God forgive me, but can you imagine having a high Mars missile? (laughs) Who, who would you go no, for? No, I just go. So you, within seventy, RTE is only ten kilometers. Well, well, away. well, say Johnny, Johnny, where are you right now? Oh yeah, yeah. No, just give me do it. Do what do you call that? Those things. Coordinates. Coordinates, and then just type it in. They, they, they could. Pro- you could probably see it on camera. You could probably. See, they probably have a thing where you can follow the thing. Well, no, what they have is they have um, informants on the ground in Kherson who identify homes where FSB generals are living or where there's a high concentration of Russian soldiers. Fucking hell. And they pass that information back to the Ukrainians who then, you know, program their HIMARS. 
So there's one building that I went to, which was this beautiful um, architect-designed kind of Scandinavian-style mansion uh, with, like, huge clumps of cement that were, like, blown 50 meters away. The whole building was just destroyed in one strike. And uh, no, no one was killed but Russian soldiers in that strike. It was quite amazing when you see it. I'll show you photos. You can oh, yeah, put it yeah. on the thing. And was it the same as that other place where they they left bodies lying out on the street? No. Cause uh, they, they, where was that? We were there, actually. Bucha. Bucha, yeah, yeah. The Bucha was a bit different because um, Bucha, in Bucha, there was a, a very vicious fight to uh, retain the city. So when r Russian troops were retreating, they caused all this damage and killed, you know, dozens of people. But... Uh, in Kherson, the Russians retreated before the fight came to the city. Yeah, I remember. I remember when we were in Bucha, uh, somebody said, "Oh, do we, they they wanted to take us to where all the bodies were buried," and I I, I couldn't. I just I was just sick. Mm -hmm. Just couldn't handle it. Um, so you were there on the second day of liberation. Just let's talk about that. So you're where were you driving from when you arrived to the city? Oh, how big is how big is Kherson? Uh, about the size of Cork. Okay, three hundred thousand people. Yeah, so from Dublin to Cork, you wouldn't get the high Mars wouldn't work. Kilkenny to Cork. Kilkenny, you'd Maybe. be in Kilkenny with your high Mars. God, you'd feel stupid. Actually, you'd be you'd need to get nearer, probably. Yeah, one hundred and ten thousand euro. How did you get into the city? Were people check with lots of checkpoints? I assume. Yeah, no, it was difficult, but I had friends who were so who were commanders in the army, so they met me outside the city and got me past the, the checkpoints. Yeah. Okay, and so w was was there, you know, w was was there just this party on the streets yeah, for was, a day it, or two? It, it was like, you know, winning the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, literally, just people cheering, people, throngs of people walking around, waving Ukrainian flags, coming up to me, coming up to every soldier they saw and just embracing them, giving them presents. I mean, I had all these little plastic boxes with food in them that grannies had kind of created oh, that's very to sweet. give to me. Um, uh, were they not worried that uh, the Russians would be lobbing, uh, you know? They were worried, but I think the Russians had just retreated like the day before. So the, the bombardment started about a week later when the Russians had kind of regrouped. Fuck. So, the, so it's still under bombardment now? Yeah, constant. So there's nobody living there? It's about 20% of the population left. 20% of the population? What, like old people? Mostly old, yeah. And what would they be living in basements? Yeah, well, I mean, they'd be living in their normal apartments. But, um, I mean, it's 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 still a very big city. So, you know, okay, by yeah. law of averages, you're going to be fine. If law you're of averages. Your, if you're living I mean? in your apartment. But still... Yeah. You know, there could be a stray. Three or four people are killed every day by stray bombs. Yeah, in Kherson. Yeah, Jesus. But and that's that's within the city. Obviously, on the front lines, which is just outside the city, there's a lot more uh, attrition going on. And where would you get those? You know, those uh, drones that you were talking about. The that young lad who was 19 who got uh, sh shot in the. You know, where where are they, are they drones that anyone can buy? Yeah, they're 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 specially repurposed. Kind of high-end drones that cost five grand, not one grand. Right. You know, and they're repurposed with little um, little systems to catch kind of to catch yeah. Yeah, and drop things. Oh, so they can reuse the drone. Yeah, but but drones are like um, they're almost considered like uh, disposable um, munitions because they get shot out of the sky so much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I assume they try to. They'd probably try and um, uh, disguise them. You know, or paint them a color. 
Well, no, they're, they're very far away, so you can't right, see them. Right, right. Um, so that was pretty cool. Being there on, on the day or the second day of liberation, their city had been, uh, you know, but, but then again, it was only uh, short-lived. And when you, when you got there, what percentage of the city, I, I assume it was probably only 20% because most people have left Kherson. Yeah, like that's twenty percent of the population. Yeah, what is that? What's your conspiracy today, Jack? Do you want to play the uh, your theme tune? It seems a bit weird doing conspiracy c- 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 corner when what's going on in Ukraine is 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 the worst thing ever. Sorry, yeah, go on. Uh, Stevie Wonder isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> Stevie Wonder isn't actually blind. Okay. Yeah, apparently, apparently. Now, I don't know if it's true, but uh, I saw a video where Shaquille O'Neal said he was in uh, a lift with... He, so the lift came up, he sees Stevie Wonder's in there, so he goes inside and he's like... You know, he w- he was thinking in in his own head, like, is Stevie Wonder blind? So he just stood there, and he knows him, and he just, like, stood there and s- see if he'd say anything. And then Stevie Wonder goes, what's up, Shaq? You know? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Stevie Wonder is blind. That's correct. No, but uh, apparently, like it's a, it's an actual known thing that he's actually not blind. Yeah, and Paul McCartney's dead, and Ray Charles is not blind either. It's a marketing ploy. Yeah. <laughs> what was your conspiracy? Um, I met this uh, woman from Donetsk, and she told me that um, the reason uh, COVID was invented by uh, the governments of the world was because they want to erect public cameras all over the world to capture people or to 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 basically capture people's images and uh, in order to capture the image clearly and properly they need people to separate from each other if everyone's kind of crowded together oh, they good. won't be able to see it yeah yeah so it's all part of the introduction of, of 5G so um, yeah that sounds a bit like reverse engineering uh, there. But um, yeah, all kinds of uh, conspiracies. But usually uh, everything is hidden in plain sight. You know, what, you know like uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies, they're, they're not hiding the fact that they're, you know, very, uh, they're very profitable and wealthy. And, uh, you know, like what, what I always think to myself, if, if somebody is going to a massive amount of effort to do something like that, it's kind of like, well, fair play to you. Like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be, able, you know, I couldn't come up with an idea like that. I mean, yeah, it's illegal. But like if somebody really wants to take over the world, if they're that desperate, I mean, you know. Look, I, I find it difficult enough to earn a living and take it, take over the world, kind of carry on. Yeah, you definitely need discipline for that, you know, so. Yeah. Like the Irish would so, never. So, the Irish would so never. So essentially, uh, Putin's got great discipline, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he has <laughs> great discipline, yeah. Do you think he has good discipline? Oh yeah. I'm actually curious about this. So what's uh, what's the what's his real like uh, goal with Ukraine? I mean, I get the Black Sea is a very valuable point, but it seems like they've got that locked down pretty well. I I think his his real goal is to prevent, the crime is to prevent Ukraine becoming a western leaning country to be to, to, to prevent it from becoming a democracy to prevent it becoming a, a positive example of a of an alternative political system that people in russia will look to as something 
they should emulate. And it's what many people in Russia want, but is the big threat to him at home, the um, threat of democracy. Mm-hmm. And and some people say uh, people say that there's a lot of uh, ethnically Russian people in Ukraine. And what, what would uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, but a lot, would you say the majority of them probably wouldn't want to be part of? Russia or would they? The majority of them want to be part of a democracy. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, They yeah. want to be part of Ukraine. I mean, there, there were quite a few pro-Russian um, people, a lot of pro-Russian people in place like Odessa before the invasion last year. But they all changed to a pro-Ukrainian position knowing what Russia had just turned into. Like w- the other you know, tragedy of what's happened since the invasion is that Russia has turned into a full-scale totalitarian state now whereas before it was just a repressive regime now uh, you know you like i have friends who are dead scared of sharing anything on facebook because they can get arrested for that do you think uh there could be some sort of civil unrest in Ru- i mean there is already civil unrest in russia slightly isn't it yeah well i i think there could be and i hope there will be but i don't think it's going to happen until there's a defeat of, you know, significant defeat of, of Russia in, in, in the battlefield in Ukraine because Putin is very associated with that war. And to date, uh, he hasn't lost it yet. But if he does, then I think very quickly he, you will see his political power uh, dissipating. Do you think most Russians uh, support the war or do you think most don't? Or that I, th- I think most support the war, yeah. yeah. Really? Most Russians support the war? Well, I mean, to support the war to what extent? I mean, you know, no one wants war. Yeah. But uh, would support Putin, probably about 50% of the country does. So he still has a lot of popularity. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. But you were saying that um, Russia have all these resources, and uh, I feel like Ukraine are a little bit like the underdogs or something. And so, like, how is Russia not won already, or, or is it... Because they don't have um, effective leadership. And I think in something as complex as a war, not only do you have to have uh, effective leadership, but you also have to have principles which are true and real that flow into the decision making. Brilliant. Yeah. And Putin's uh, reason for the war is based on a lie. He's, He's telling his people one thing. Uh, but the reality is very different. So he's telling the people that the war is happening because they need to denazify the country, that it's full of Nazis, it's full of, uh, you know, dehumanized Ukrainians who are killing our children. Um, And that is the way he gets his people motivated to support the war. But the reality is completely different. So there's always going to be that kind of dissonance at any of the decision-making down the layers of uh, command within the army so it's crippled by that in the one sense the other sense it's crippled by an inherently hierarchical system where decisions that need to be made on the ground based on you know the environment are, are actually made by politicians in kremlin while in, in in ukraine the lower level commanders are given a lot more uh, decision-making powers. How do you think you'd be in a war situation? Would you be able to fire weapons? 
Yeah, I think it would actually. You yeah. violent bastard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, me and Johnny did a little mini tour of uh, Ukraine uh, and I raised, uh, we raised 10,000 <laughs> euro, which was great. And um, we were traveling around Ukraine with your girlfriend at the time. I felt like a fucking spare wheel. And then I, I brought uh, this one, Anastasia Sill along to be like a buffer zone between me and the horrendous displays of uh, affection that was going on. Actually, no, you weren't that. You were, you were, you were cool. But actually, Anastasia was. Uh, it was good to bring bring her along, and uh, she, I brought her over yeah. here uh, to do gigs in London and Dublin. But yeah, it was weird going to those small little towns, and they didn't really know that. I, I, I can't remember how we organised those gigs, but we. Um, it was all last minute. I it mean, was all fucking last minute. Li- so li- literally, we had. Um, I think we the decision was made about two weeks before you arrived, and, oh. we, and we and we had we 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 didn't know what it was going to be, where yeah. it was going to be. So, uh, yeah, my girlfriend at the time, she just basically rang around yeah. different different uh, venues in different cities. Her, your girlfriend at the time now, who is now pregnant, now pregnant, yeah, with with twins, twins yes, and they're definitely not yours, definitely not mine. <laughs> um yeah it was very last minute unless she gives birth now <laughs> she she told me she's like four months pregnant if it turns out she's nine months pregnant then <laughs> yeah 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 um but um yeah we arrived to these towns man and uh i oh, I, I had to do like street shows to gather an audience and of course you know the language thing was ridiculous where, where was where, where was that nice little town? Was it Chernivtsi? I think Chernivtsi, it was. Oh yeah, was with that nice lovely walking street. Yeah, that yeah. was a really cool place. I mean, it's a beautiful country, um, Ukraine. Ivano Frankivsk. Ivano Frankivsk. Ivano Frankivsk. Yeah, which one was that? Oh, that was, I know the. That was no. the second town after Lviv. God, I remember Vinnytsia because of the beautiful women, and I remember Chernivtsi. I think. How many towns did we go to? We went to Ivano Frankivsk, Chernivtsi. Finitia and Kiev. Five. Yeah, Kiev. Kiev is cool as well. That square. You lived near that square, didn't yeah. you? What was what's that square called? Safiska Square. Biden was was there three weeks ago. Um well listen, uh folks, I mean I I, I could ask uh, uh loads of questions about Johnny uh, more about the uh, his experiences in Ukraine. So uh, Johnny is a director. He directed a, a film called um, When Moscow Never Sleeps. If you get a chance, look at that. He's just finish, finishing a documentary about Kherson. I literally cannot wait to see this documentary because it really is, although horrific, um, but, but also fascinating. But also, there's even though war is terrible, there's something... In, in the worst possible way brings people very close together and and you see the worst and best of humanity i guess yeah i mean that's the amazing thing about being there is to see how uh small communities become like families yeah and the the just the emotional bonds between them like one of the reasons people refuse to leave frontline positions when they're under such severe threat is because they've become so close to their neighbors and they don't want to let their neighbors down. Yeah. You know, they don't want to be the first to leave and abandon the, their neighbors to their fate. And and that bond is, is really something special to see. 
Um, so I can't wait to see that uh, documentary. Thank you very much, Johnny O'Reilly, for joining us on And That's Why We're Not Together. A very fascin fascinating insight, and I hope it, it remains you remain safe over there. I don't know. Thank you very much to my uh, young princes, Jack and Daniel. Someday this kingdom will be yours when the king finally... Yeah? Take your baby by the hill Do the next thing that you feel We were so in place